CLS is go for main engine, start. Go at throttle up. Negative return. Then we see a nominal Miko. Welcome to space. Hey, everybody. Hello. Welcome. Anthony, you're back. We I got to talk last week. week. You yeah, were back last week, but you we forgot. had a we had such a uh, an important guest that it was not about That's you. True. So this is That's this true. is now this is now about you. How was your time off, man? How did you enjoy it? It was nice. I've, are we doing Anthony reviews his trip real quick? Because I got some sure shit to talk about Joshua Tree National Park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard that you uh, you are less than impressed with Joshua Tree, and now we've just lost all of the California listeners. Yeah, they might even agree with me when they hear my reasoning. Um, I have thoroughly explored the states of Utah and Arizona, pretty much <laughs> like Utah, middle to bottom, Arizona, top to bottom, all the national parks within some of the state parks. And never has there been more underwhelming nature than Joshua Tree National Park. <laughs> it's so underwhelming. Uh, they're weird trees. I'll give them that. But, you know, I just the whole time wished I was in Utah or Arizona, to be honest. So that's really funny coming from someone like who lives in, in city land, you know, like, you know, the Northeast is just, it's just buildings and concrete and you, and you go to Joshua Tree and you're like, this is terrible. <laughs> well, objectively, the California desert is the most boring of the United States deserts. Wow. Okay. All like right. It's just boring looking. Maybe Nevada might give it a run for its money. A couple minutes but, in the show, we're dropping all the hot takes yeah. on which uh, parts. Just send me to the Sonoran Desert if you need if you need to send me to, <laughs> to one of them. You know, Saguaro's way more beautiful than Joshua Trees. Um, you know, yeah, that's okay. my take. All right, so good, good. So if you're going to Joshua Tree, make it early on your list of national parks, and then go to the other ones in Arizona and Utah. No, you want you want the the, the ascending the uh, curve of, of yeah of. Uh, <laughs> Of satisfaction, and you yeah. got to start with Joshua Tree. I did get to I've check never off. been, so I have to take your word for it. I did complete the um, circuit on this trip, uh, and I have now seen all of the space shuttles, like in person, Ooh. live. I've seen them, nice, all, nice. most of the ones launch. I've seen all the ones that are still around launch, uh, but now I've seen all the ones that still exist up close. And uh, again, the Endeavor exhibit as it currently stands is the most underwhelming exhibit, but... Boy, howdy! Is the new one that they're building going to be epic? Yeah, I don't one know if day. You know about this, I had to pull this up. Um, it'll be. It'll there, be like in the future. Ground. Were they? They're actually doing it because, like, yeah. for a long time, it was like there was a, a little like poster on the wall that's like, "We hope still it looks there. like this one." Day. <laughs> still and there's there. Like a, they still haven't gotten all their funding. That like external tank is like sitting in the back oh, alley waiting. Like for... it just got delivered and it's like out there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's still it's still covered in the shrink wrap from FedEx or whatever. Pro tip: yeah. the Endeavor or the the external tank that is at the California Science Center ha the best view of it is from the Rose Garden next door, where you just go out the back of the center and go mm -hmm. in the Rose Garden. It's beautiful and Endeavor sitting there. Um, but yeah, this uh, I'm trying to find a, a mock up of what the new. Science Center will look like. I think it was like the Samuel Ocean thing, right? Yeah, this because this will be the only shuttle that's standing upright on display, right? It's gonna be epic. Um, because they like got the full stack. You'll have solids, ET, the, the yeah. whole launch stack, basically. Yeah, they. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time finding a good mock-up of this, but um, <laughs> yeah, uh, mock-ups is what they, they do. Have. <laughs> <laughs> this thing's here's like SLS-1B, if you know what I mean. This oh this is the new model too because there was an old mock-up floating around the internet that was not this one. This one's gonna have this glass floor that you can walk out over the stack. Wow, it's gonna be epic. Um, yeah, Tyler huh. is talking about how no one cared about the external tank. I literally uh, went out to the garden because <laughs> my wife had to go. She was doing something. She had to like run to the other part of the museum for a second, um, and she was like, "All right, you take Will and go look at your tank." If you want to, <laughs> I was like, great, I'll go out back. And yeah, it was just me and him standing there and like the one guard that sits. It was kind of like, um, I felt like you at a launch, there was like a handler for you to make sure that nothing <laughs> went down. That's how I felt when I was looking at the tank. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So right, trip was good. Cool. And I got okay. some travel and or daycare funk that you can hear. Uh-huh. Not yeah, COVID. Yeah. Did a lot of tests. Not COVID? A lot no, of tests. It's okay, weird. Good. 
So you want to uh, you want to do some drinks before we get into uh, some of the space news that you missed while you were away? I do. I. What do you got, man? Open in mind. Mine's a pretty looking can today. I'll be honest. I've got a victory. It is called the. My face is in frame, so it's not focusing. The victory, brotherly love, hazy IPA. Hmm. Little Philadelphia shout out. Try Philly of you. Could use a little brotherly love around here. So. A lot of places. It's a truly delicious one. Yeah, this is a one that has been making its way up my regular rankings. Tyler in the chat is drinking hard Mountain Dew. That's when you know the week has got to come to an end pretty soon. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> that's how you know you're our target one. demo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I have another Principia uh, one. I had this brewery a while ago, uh, a couple of episodes ago. And this is the Extra Solar New England IPA. So, and if you needed a, a, a proof that I live in Mexico, look at that condensation on there. Look at that. That's just really... <laughs> really going here that's that's the the rainy season showing on my cold beer so yeah you were tweeting like you, you're experiencing new sun angles yes you got yeah the sun going on. the sun's past zenith now does it I, actually i, I thought in, i looked that up on like timeanddate.com or something and it says it gets to like 88 degrees or something because if you're if you're below the the tropic circle like the tropic of whatever that north one is or you know if you're in the tropics <laughs> yes, then right, then would theoretically at, cross our you'd cross over right so well, pretty bizarre. I, don't know. I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't measure it with no, like a close enough like, but like it's it's way past straight yeah. up man it's like <laughs> well like there's no there's no escape from it your shadows are just like so it's pretty it's pretty weird yeah, for, for us me. that spend our lives in the 60 to 70 degree sun angle <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. totally different yeah for, for me this is this is winter and this is summer you know? yeah <laughs> that was my favorite I'm thing the first to, time but. i went to the uk and you look at all the satellite dishes that are on everyone's house, and you're just like, "How are you even seeing that satellite? That's pointed like directly <laughs> level. How That's do you sideways? Even, yeah, yeah. How do you actually see that?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the reality we live in. So, uh, yeah. But cool. Uh, so, yeah, man. Where do you want to start? Because yeah, this is this is mostly your catch up show. I know we wanted to talk about uh, Starliner. Maybe we should start with Starliner. Yeah, you, first. you should start with Starliner. I think I think some of that stuff probably dovetails into uh, into the spacesuit stuff. So Starliner is the reason that I like. If you know, I may have put out a show or two where I did talk about Starliner. So I have read up on Starliner, right? I've read the yeah, news. Yeah. I read the reports. Yeah, you did. You did the thing again today where you drop an episode like an hour before the show, so again, I can't listen Thursdays to what you publish. For then... space days. But <laughs> my thing with my thing with it is that Starliner, in particular, this mission, there's probably a lot. Like if you if you a month after Nauka got to the space station went back and read the articles, you probably would have been like, okay, got there, right? But you weren't along for the ride of like, is it going to deorbit? Is it going to kill the space station? So I, yeah, I yeah. feel like with Starliner, there was a lot more flavor to the story than I got witnessing it two weeks later, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and that I, so I want to like dig into was there flavor? How flavorful was it? Um, what were the mm-hmm. hot takes I missed? <laughs> and where do we stand with those today? Like, I want to just check in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, there definitely was flavor. And, but this is, so this is the, the interesting thing. It's really hard to like unpack this one because, like, you know, if you've spent the last two and a half years like ripping on Boeing for their first flight, you know, if, you, if you're the kind of person that's like, oh, Boeing, you really messed up OFT1. You really, then you went out to the pad and you messed that up with the valves. And doesn't, doesn't Boeing even know that it gets humid in Florida? Like, who's even running this show? Like, if you've been on that train the whole like two and a half years since OFT1, you were just, you were looking for it. You know, you're like, where's, where's the thing, where's the thing on this flight that's going to prove me right over the last two and a half years, right? That's, that was the, the, the mentality like on, you know, out in the Twitter verse and all that kind of thing. So, you know, every time there was like a momentary flicker of something was off nominal, it was like mad speculation, like just dumping information everywhere. So it was like really hard to like piece together what was real and what wasn't. (laughs) So yeah, I, I thought I thought the launch went pretty well because like the the launch countdown was like bang on, like it just happened normally. Like there wasn't even like a, a the same day like push back mm. thirty minutes or something like that. So now, I did ULA watch did the like, launch webcast. Um, okay, I, but I was also a solo dad at the moment when I was watching it, so I didn't catch one hundred percent of the detail on there. But I'm pretty sure <laughs> like a couple seconds into the launch, they they did a call out for like the clock is right. 
Is yes, that true? they did. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, just uh, just confirming we have quintuple checked and the clock is right. Confirm, yeah. confirm, the clock Ooh, is right. Yeah, the, it's a SpaceX Everybody chair know, in the yeah, background. Yeah, and they're all like, <laughs> 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 yeah, they absolutely did that. And they, they, I think they did it a couple times. I'm trying to remember now because there was one. They did it like at right after launch, and then they did it after separation to like confirm that leaving the Atlas, like it came, it came away with the right, mm-hmm. the right data. So yeah, that was probably the funniest. If not, part what were they the gonna launch. do? Catch back up and like try to reset it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that seemed to go okay, and then and then you had all the the, the various little things that started to crop up, right? So thrusters didn't work and then it was like okay is that a big deal or not and they had all these redundant thrusters so that seemed like it was okay um the thing that was like really that really you know straddled the divide of like real and not real and what's going on was this coolant loop thing so because the article like, like you said when you go and read the articles after it's just like they also had a thing with the coolant loop but coolant loop but it wasn't a big deal and then they docked yeah. okay, and you're on right but when that was happening there was like Especially like, you know, in some of the sub communities out there in the world, there was like talk about that being like disastrous. Mm. And I don't know. I don't I don't know if that's true or not. Like, I don't know what the yeah, I don't know how severe the a coolant loop problem is. But the article <laughs> read like they kind of had this fix already in mind. Like it, it seemed so quick that mm. it was fixed that it was like, OK, no problem. Like a little patch update. <laughs> Yeah, sort of like yeah. the ingenuity <laughs> thing. Like, hey, this thing broke, but we thought about it anyway, and we already did a fix for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the like the I'm I'm really curious to know how much of this is related to the existing problems, right? Because we knew that there was thruster problems before, because they had this whole valve problem on the pad on the first time they tried to do it, like last year or whatever mm-hmm. that was, August. And that's that's like the. That's the Aerojet Rocketdyne stuff, right? Because they built the thrusters. You fix it. No, you fix it. No, you fix it. Yeah, and I assume that the 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 whole system is Aerojet. So like the thrusters connected to the what is it? The manifold, all the pipes that send you know fuel to it. All that valve system is all like an Aerojet interconnected system. And so I wonder if the thrusters problems on this is related to that. And it was sort of one of those like, you know, on the ground they're like, look. These thrusters have a bad design. We know that. We've experienced that. We've come up with a bunch of workarounds. We can get through this flight and accomplish all the other things. And then when we get back, we're going to deal with this with the long-term mm-hmm. solution. I kind of wonder if that was what was yeah. happening there. And, and then so, we're and accepting if, the risk of, of, you know, what is the failure rate going to be on this? Can you survive without it? Yeah. And they had all this redundancy and it's just the test flight. And they needed to get the like they, the other stuff was so critical, right? Like getting on orbit and docking with the station and all that, all that stuff needed to be figured out, right? And so if you have to redesign this, the other stuff anyway, and you have until the crew flight to deal with that, do you just proceed with this and, and get it out of the way? I That's my hunch. I have I don't have a source on that or anything, but that's kind of my hunch on, and they're going to continue yeah. this fight with Aerojet about, you know, whose fault it is and blah, blah, blah. So is the coolant loop related to that same system? I don't think so, but I don't know. So, yeah. I think your take's right about that, the thruster thing. Because, I mean, we sort of talked about this last week when I got back and we were, you were trying to catch me up a little bit. Um, <laughs> like, systems that are designed to have redundancy are championed when it's announced that way. Like, Falcon 9's got engine out capability. How badass is that? It can lose a whole yeah. engine to make it to orbit. And then like 2 of 12 <laughs> fail. It's like, what the, f-? you know? But it's like, no, that yeah. was like, I mean, even Orion's that way, right? The service module has the major maneuvering engine. It's got slightly smaller maneuvering engines and then it's got the reaction control. Mm-hmm. And there had to be enough smaller engines that it could do all the burns it needs to do, albeit yeah. over a longer period of time to get back from the moon if the main engine fails. So, like, that kind of thing is always built into human systems specifically. So Yeah, especially at NASA, right? Like, like yes, that's, you know, that's why it broke, but this was also one of those cases where if it was any other company with any other lead-up to this flight, we would have been fine saying, yeah, they said it has redundancy, and they proved it has redundancy, and all's well. Like, it's, it's yeah. the context of it being Boeing, Boeing having the worst last five years of any company, um for like eight different reasons there's just all the context (laughs) around it makes it seem a lot worse than i think objectively when you say this system is redundant and we use the redundancy it's like great that that's cool yeah 
And like, they absolutely have to fix that for the next flight. Like, to be clear, Before like, you know, that, we don't like, we, figure that out. You, you don't want to have like that sort of normalization of deviance yeah. where it's like, oh, no, it's okay if it breaks because we have redundancy. So we're not going to fix it because then it's not redundant anymore. Right. Well, no, but that, um, I think that's the point of redundancy is that it'll, it breaks once and then you fix that and then you don't need that. Yes. You don't need that worry exactly. anymore. Yeah. But like the first time it yeah. breaks, you don't want it to fail immediately and kill people. Precisely. Yeah. 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 So my, my take overall was that the flight went like pretty well. Um, I think. At the end of the, you know, even today, I'm sure Boeing is probably like, you know, there was things I would have changed if I could have. But at the end of the day, we got the flight done and now we can focus on crew flight. We have a list of stuff to fix. Like the path forward is probably a lot clearer for them now. And so that's kind of a win, right? Um, that's my, I don't know. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't think it was that bad. People were pretty har- harshing on it, harshing on its buzz. But, you know. <laughs> they needed to get this done. And yes, there was a slot in the schedule. And if they were going to go fix those valve issues, it wouldn't have happened until next year. And that would have been That's the other thing too, right? Because we've got a crowded, crowded ISS schedule. Like, hey, we can slot in here. We're otherwise ready to go. Let's do it, right? Yeah. And and the port allocation is a thing that I've harped on a lot that SpaceX has switched their cargo flights to Dragon 2, which needs to dock instead of berth. There's only two ports that that station's got for Dragon, Dragon Cargo, and Starliner. So, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, not even with Dream Chaser coming online soon. So there's doing crew handovers and cargo deliveries. There's just tight windows to get to that port. And up until after Starliner gets its crew flight test done, it is not going to be the priority because the schedule is, it's set for the crew that's going up on SpaceX flights. It's set for the cargo that's going there. Yeah. So Starliner was always going to get punted until whenever it fits, just like Axiom was a couple of times on the mm. schedule. So yeah, it's yeah. just like the traffic jam there that it's not, doesn't make it easy to get that slot on their schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that makes like, you know, a lot, um, uh, it makes it a lot easier for the the ops planners for ISS now because now that's off the off the books. They don't have to worry about this this random thing coming in that yeah. you know it needs to fit. Because like once it's operational, it'll be one of the two flights of the year. Yeah, and so like you've already got that kind of factored into the occupancy. But right now you have two SpaceX flights happening a year, and this has to be extra. And so like fitting that in is difficult, yeah. right? So this is yeah. I, I think for all, everyone involved. They're very happy that this test is done and mostly successful. And so did they, was, what was the context around them saying by the end of the year, we'll be ready for crew flight tests? Was that, was that also considering the failures that happened on the mission or was that like stuff they said even before the launch, like based on our current schedule, if this goes well? Well, they said it after it, even, um, is it, is Steve Stitch is the NASA guy, right? Is mm, that yeah. the, the guy? Yeah. So he was like over the moon in his comments right 15 out of 10 this is the best flight ever and that was after he knew everything that had happened right and so i'm interpreting that one is maybe more of that nasa optimism like Mm -hmm. with the test knocked off all of our checklist of stuff like ostensibly and so we think we can proceed with crew flight on the normal notional schedule i think the the rubber will hit the road when they review the data for thrusters coolant and see like yeah, is this solvable by the next flight easily, or is there actually like a redesign? And then, so that's where we're gonna. That's how you will know. Like all the speculation, it, did the flight go well or did it not go well? When they tell you the plan for a crew flight test totally. uh, one, you'll know whether it was successful or not. <laughs> yeah, there's been a couple of things people have been saying in the chat about SpaceX getting awarding these extra flights um, mm-hmm. to the ISS after Starliner landed, and I. I hate to break it to everyone in the chat, but everyone got uh, everyone's got a bad take on this one. So I'm ready to <laughs> everyone, unpack. Everyone's this. saying that they 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 bought those because of the Boeing flight or whatever, right? Like, oh, the coolant because they like what? SpaceX better yeah. or that's yeah, yeah. cheaper. I actually no. don't think it's any of those reasons. Um, no. So TLDR on this situation, not these flight extensions. Are you doing TLDRs today? Do you want me to? I've read up about this one, and there's less flavor to this, so I can provide the TLDR. Yeah, you know this one better okay. than I do, so. So uh, SpaceX, even before this, had gotten extensions for SpaceX Crew 7, 8, and 9, right? Three additional flights. Yeah, that's three, right? Because they originally, uh, the contract for commercial crew was the flight test program and then six operational missions. So SpaceX is flying those. Uh, Crew 6 is like late 2023 at this point or depending on if Starliner flies, it could be like early 2024, but they're basically already through their operational missions that they had contracted. So in March, NASA said, here's three more. 
775 or $6 million. Um, and then they now announced, they haven't signed the contract yet. They had to announce their intent to award more missions to SpaceX. It's sole source, right? Yeah. So they announced the intent to buy five more flights, um, which would take them all the way through 2030, which is the current demise of uh, ISS. Mm-hmm. So this has to happen based on everything NASA's planned on previously, because the plan was always fly one Dragon mission and one Starliner mission a year. Mm-hmm. From like day one, that was NASA's intent when both of these were flying, yeah. was that they yeah, would take two flights a year. Yeah. So if you just run the Starliner schedule out, Starliner, Starliner Richie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just title of the episode the right? ceiling, <laughs> like, playing in the crew capsule at all times um <laughs> someone give me a render of him in the, in the uh puffy boeing suit i need i need lionel richie in the in the starliner suit um anyway if you run the schedule out right we said crew flight end of the year maybe early next um they have to sign off on that crew flight before they get their operational mission assigned so SpaceX Crew 5 is like next spring, March 2023, April 2023. There's going to be an operational mission in the fall that year. So if crew flight goes well and they get signed off, theoretically, Starliner could be that late 2023 flight. But I think it's more likely that they're the early 2024 flight. They have yeah. six flights, one per year. Do the math. Four, you're five, at 2023. Six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Regardless of whether they could fly Starliner twice a year, whether they could bring the price down on Starliner, because we know it was more expensive than Dragon, whether they could magically have a launch vehicle, but there's not enough Atlas Vs left, so they would have yeah. to transition to something else, which is honestly, like, yeah, it's a lot of paperwork, but you've got six years to do it. You, you're telling me that they can't yeah. do whatever the human rating paperwork <laughs> is for Vulcan? Then you definitely could. So it's it's honestly just straight up, like NASA wants TikTok schedules, and we've only got six years to fill out based on the current schedule. So yeah, this is SpaceX's award for being efficient and getting flying earlier and having a better cadence yeah. to their missions. Yeah, yeah. That's my soapbox. Yeah, and I don't think it like even, you won't even really notice that difference because like we've, we've basically already experienced the the difference like the spacex flying when boeing isn't that's happening now really mm-hmm. and then and then once this thing gets going with crew flight and the six operational flights it'll feel like boeing's just an equal partner and then that last couple of years it, no the story will not be about dragon and boeing in 2029 2030 <laughs> if that's the end of the iss it'll be about the end of the iss totally. so yeah you won't even notice about yeah yeah, that's just how it goes. And yeah, there's so much extra stuff for them because I don't know. They, you'd have to wait. So you have to wait for crew flight to work and then go and certify a bid after that. Like they probably, Boeing probably wouldn't be able to sign an extension for like, you know, two more flights even to fill out that last year until 2024. I guess it, how long it would take them to put that together, maybe late 2023. Yeah. Um, and so they probably just want to get ahead of it and just get it out of the way. Right. Like, yeah. And there was some speculation that people were like, Oh, this is NASA putting pressure on SpaceX to not turn off the production line of dragon. And I don't, I don't buy that. Cause yeah. that, I don't know. The announcement between shutting down production line and this coming out was like not a governmental paperwork cycle away. No, (laughs) (laughs) no, no, no. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't read too much into that for sure. There's the whole thing about like the other flights that these vehicles would do, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I wanted to ask you about this too, because so the, this is a, and I actually, I mentioned this on, on my Red Planet review show and I thought I was going to catch heat for it. I was waiting for someone to to do it, but like I, I made the suggestion that Boeing, this is a one and done for Boeing. Like Starliner is going to fly these six flights and then it's, to- it's toast. Right. Yeah. And I, and I said that knowing that there is the plan, like Boeing is a part, I don't know what the team member is. They're a, a team member on orbital reef with blue origin as a crew transportation partner. There's lots of renders with Starliner approaching reef. So, um, you know, if if Reef is successful and NASA gives them more money and they build it and they fly it and it's up there, sure, you know, Starliner could happen. But that's none of that's a given, right? Like none of that is is for sure yet. And so, you know, does does Boeing go through with 
trying to find that extra rocket and doing all the work to to swap it over, whether it's Vulcan or New Glenn, which is what Blue Origin would like, right? Um, I wanted to see what your take is on that. Do you think they'll do you think they'll they'll try and market this the way SpaceX has marketed other things, or is it like no? Nah, I think this is it. Yeah, they don't hmm. want to foot the bill for figuring out a new rocket setup. I, I would bet more money. Like if I'm doing safe bet, Dragon flies to Orbital Reef. Risky bet, I'd rather bet that Blue Origin's flying their own crew vehicle to Orbital Reef. You know, like rather than yeah. Boeing. Yeah, that seems more likely to me. I just don't. I don't think Boeing's at the point in their life right now where they would want to he- more heavily commit to something as weird and unsustainable given that it's not um like spacex's thing has always been doing missions that are heading headed directionally in the way that they're heading and of marginal profitability or losing slight money to do it yeah you know so they yeah. knew they wanted to get in human space flight so this program made sense for that which Boeing, has always been the problem for these old contractors because they don't have a direction they just they just Make they stuff do missions. Checks, right? Yeah. yeah. This is more akin to Northrop Grumman with Cygnus and Antares. Yeah. That yeah. system, you know, Cygnus is getting a bunch of derivatives with NASA programs, but um, they're not selling it to other people. Mm-hmm. They're not mm-hmm. flying mm-hmm. other payloads on Antares. It was purely built for this program, and maybe relevant to the next topic we'll ta- we'll tackle. But like maybe maybe it's good to have one company who's doing it for your reason second and their reason first and another company that's doing it for your reason first if that makes sense yeah yeah Hmm. but spacex is always the outlier we always talk about this they're always the weird outlier well and so the other side of that coin is you know if if starliner was produced to be a you know to play in the market of human spaceflight and nasa is just one customer and boeing wants to offer this service everywhere all over the place it has to be competitive because like nasa has an interest in having the redundancy in the two providers and and keeping boeing people working and all, there's all these other complicated reasons that they'd want to buy boeing but like jared isaacman is going to go how much does spacex cost how much does boeing cost Okay, easy decision. Like this, it's not going to be. It's not going to be marketable. It's not going to be competitive, right? Yeah. So even even looking at at Orbital Reef, I know that they're a partner, so that does kind of change stuff. But any other, you know, Orbital Reef is supposed to be like this, like open platform. It's like a public square; anyone can come and hang out. Anyone buying a, a like a separate private flight, there's going to be very little reason to go with Starliner yeah. unless they do some serious work to bring the cost down. But. Yeah, I, I also don't think that Boeing's sole reason for being part of Orbital Reef is Starliner. Like, I think that was an also ran in the same way that Sierra Nevada or Sierra Space is like, yeah, we'll do Dream Chaser 2, but they're building that other habitat. They're yeah, building yeah. something else. Boeing's yeah, building that Boeing's like, legi- uh, experiment well, module? Just, the, the, yeah, they're running the... They're supposed to be leveraging their their ISS right. operational management, right? And I think that's what the team member thinks about, ISS. not Starliner. I think Starliner was like, yeah, yeah cool, yeah. put our, you know, you ha- we have the IP, put it, maybe we'll fly something one day, like put it in there. But I don't Just think- to make the renders look good. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's like, nor do I think when Boeing was negotiating with Blue Origin about what their role would be, they would be like, we're only doing this if we can fly Starliner to the thing. Maybe yeah. they were, but it's, that would just, be a weird, that would be a weird thing to negotiate on. And, and blue probably wouldn't buy that, right? Right. They'd be like, no, man. Like, like yeah, it's an open platform. We'll figure that out later. Hmm. Yeah. All right. That is the puzzle pieces to unwrap over the next 10 years, guys. <laughs> I just, I do think that, that, like, thinking about, you mentioned Jared Isaacman and Polaris program and Axiom flights are all on Dragons, at least through, officially through Axiom 4 right now, I think they announced, but presumably always. Um, like dragon's going to have 30 crew flights when starliner's got 6 mm-hmm. you know that's i hate to be a uh a, a uh, really sour note on this kind of thing but like look at human spacecraft over time and look at when their failures occurred was it before or after seven flights in you know like on the on average on average, you don't find all the issues of the human spacecraft until you're like a lot more than six flights in. So hmm. 
if dragons had 30 and you know god forbid they would have an issue but had worked through it at that point and starliners at six once a year and clearly isn't putting a lot of momentum in even if you're at that point and boeing's trying to find something to do with the starliner line like that if that's a rough spot to be in let alone the europeans are getting into human space flight if if it goes the way that it sounds blue origins probably got some plans up their sleeve like, where are we going to be in 2030? And just, do you think Starliner at that point would have a future? Maybe the <sighs> Europeans want to buy the Starliner. Maybe, maybe. Not the worst idea. I Other can't imagine the Airbus, that it's Airbus allowing that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the fastest way for Josef Achbacher to get a bunch of Airbus uh, <laughs> lobbyists in his office. Yeah, like, this, pronto, is the, uh, this is the <laughs> S330 is the name of this vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they'd, they'd be knocking on his door schnell for sure so yeah. um uh <laughs> yeah worst worst prediction to put in the uh, off nominal discord europeans <laughs> buy the starliner <laughs> what if they buy the ip and then make airbus make it yeah do do like a uh the thing that everyone's ruminating on orion i guess right that they would like sell the ip commercially or something hmm that's interesting there it is, Orion. That's the one right there, baby. They already make the service module. That's the one. <laughs> That's the one. You yeah. think Orion can't fit on Arian 6? <laughs> I don't know, man. I have not run Dude. those numbers. I know it's That's pretty a crack- chunky. That's but... a crackpot theory right there. Put that in. We got to have like a crackpot theory section of uh, mm-hmm. our prediction bot. Crackpot theory, yeah. 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 Orion gets bought by Airbus. It would be an amazing one. <laughs> it honestly would probably make sense like that sounds kind of legit yeah yeah i would you know would lockheed i guess lockheed doesn't own it right so they can't really hmm. all right write that yeah. one down crackpot we'll theory. check Just back, the we'll check theory back on in, in the 2030 uh january <laughs> Dude, 2023 let's do a show where we like gather whatever crackpot theories i'm making i'm gonna make a document in our thing right now that says crackpot theories i'm doing it right now <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Well, I think that's the signal to move on to the next topic then. Uh, <laughs> so spacesuits. Uh, so the news, of course, Collins, Aerospace, and Axiom are. I don't want to say received contracts. Is that right? Is this the right word? They're they're they said contracts they or they said money. award. Did they get money? I don't. They I got don't some know. Some guaranteed I, money. Apparently, okay, or they right. will receive. Maybe they haven't yet, but like. See, this is this is the thing, man. It's very confusing. It's a very interesting structural yeah. award. I hope oh, you have some theories um, about why that is. Uh, <laughs> I kind of do, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so the, they, at the very least, these two companies are onboarded into the new spacesuit program. So they're going to be uh, eligible to compete for task orders from NASA to provide spacesuit services for the ISS and for lunar surface missions with Artemis. So... The whole program is like over the next 12 years. So from now until 2034 has a a cost ceiling of three and a half billion dollars that would split among all the companies and all the task orders they award could be less than that if they don't need to spend that much. Um, And then the individual task orders should be focused on like, you know, that I need a suit for this EVA on ISS expedition 76 or whatever it is and and how much will you charge for that and they'll there's probably some milestone ones too that i'm missing i don't i don't know what the task orders are going to look like but and then that'll be like you know that'll be 200 million dollars or something right and then then they'll get that um and this comes on the heels so there's a question here about xemu so this comes on the heels of nasa spending a long time like 15 years or something like some ungodly amount of time developing the uh the xemu suit which is that? Remember, there was that hasty Jim Bridenstine press conference where they had the girl out there oh, with yeah. the the blue and the the red, white, and blue uh, XEMU shoot. So NASA had been like developing that like as a cost plus contractor with uh, ILC Dover, I think, and it was not going well. So like fifteen years, it wasn't ready. It didn't work well enough. It was not producing results up to speed, which is why it took so long. And they spent a bunch of money on it. There mm-hmm. was a scathing. Was it OIG report that came out like the or no a, a GAO, GAO report or something like that? Um, uh, that said like yeah, this is 
this is just a waste of money. It's not going to be like, this is now your, your, your long pull item for Artemis. Like it's not the lander anymore. It's the damn suits. So you're going to be able to get there and not walk out on the surface if you don't, you know, clean up your act. And so they pivoted and they offered this, this thing here. So I guess the IP from this is going to be available to these contractors in some capacity. That's what they say. Yeah. And I also isn't like I'm pretty sure Collins was already part of that existing contract team, whether they were a subcontractor to ILC Dover. So there might be some like mushy crossover mm. there of the same contractors kind of practice. Axiom feels like they're pretty new, but the Collins side of it may be, you know, we're repackaging this and, and giving you the money in a different way. Yeah, I mean not ILC the Dover's thing. on their team. So yeah, like Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um yeah so that's kind of what happened so i guess do you want to start with the structure like what do you think of that just reading as you catch up it just sounds like well they're being very dodgy as well about like how much money was spent on this and they won't tell us that mm-hmm. nor will they tell us when the task orders come out they said they won't say the price of the task orders either the task order based thing is bizarre for this because it's not like, <laughs> it is Clips, the commercial lunar payload services, right? The idea there was onboard a bunch of companies that are making moon landers because there was a bunch yeah. already announced. And yeah, there's like 14 on that list or something. Like there's tons. a lot of companies yeah. on there, right? Yeah. Yeah, in the teens. And this is the way that even some of the um, like Department of Defense launch vehicle contracts work, that there's a bunch of launch vehicles out there. So we'll onboard all these providers. We'll put out these task orders for certain missions to fly on their standardized vehicles. And then they will say oh that where we're at right now that'll cost you eight million dollars to do that you know small satellite to this orbit and they can pick them this feels like we don't have our budgetary ducks in a row to be able to have an official spacesuit program so we do have a couple hundred million laying around what was the in the latest budget like 150 150 i think like that i think it was 150 in that ballpark this feels like let's disperse that money to two vendors and figure out how to get the money for spacesuits later and also figure out like we don't know what the hell spacesuits we need we haven't figured those plans out yet <laughs> when are you when are you going to need a spacewalk on the gateway i don't i don't know i don't know what order the gateway's yeah. launching i don't know how many yeah. flights we're getting there i don't know how often orion's launching so it feels like both trying to dodge around not having money for it yet in the budget and also not having mm. plans that you can specifically say we need six moonwalking suits and we need four eva suits for the gateway yeah yeah and that concerns me yeah. greatly. <laughs> yeah and 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 that's that's an interesting take on it but and i had a kind of a similar but a little bit different idea too in that so you have like it, it feels weird that you get a suit as a service and and i know like you, if you if you like SAS. take the if you take suits the, the as a service. you know yeah like take the preconception out of it like i, it, I know it's more important than renting a tuxedo for a wedding like it's but it's kind of similar like it's <laughs> i hope it's, it's at least higher it's quality because yeah and with yeah, better yeah. return with re- better return timeline but like it's still going to be a used suit that smells like another person like when you yeah. get down to it right yeah, um, but it's got to be so, back at jsc the next day after you get back from the moon <laughs> yeah <laughs> you haven't even adjusted to gravity or gotten over your hangover yet but you got to get this here by 10 a.m the next day <laughs> yeah yeah so but my guess is though so related to the funding and also related to who we're talking about here. So if you like, if you watch the press conference, it was super like old guard NASA. It was like, you know, it was a Johnson press conference and you had all the Johnson people and it was in Houston and, and, and this kind of, you have this old school contractor in Collins, you know, which has been around for a long time, mm-hmm. doing all sorts of things. And then you have uh, Axiom, which is kind of like an old school yeah, NASA contractor in, <laughs> in disguise. In disguise, right? Because totally. like it's a it's a shiny new company doing cool things, but it's being run by Mike Suffordini, right? So um, there's a little bit of both in there, right? So it felt very insidery, like it felt very old guard NASA insider thing. My, and my I kind of wonder... showed up at the press conference like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hello, all my fellow uh, former employees. <laughs> um, but so the uh, the thing I was kind of wondering, and this is this is total pure speculation, so like just throw me under the bus if I'm way off. Um, that includes you, listeners. Uh, but like, co- you know, Cost Plus is now a faux pas. Like, it's not cool to talk about Cost Plus anymore. It's cool to talk about fixed price. And if you want to win over Congress now, you have to say we're changing everything. It's going to be cheaper. We're empowering the commercial industry. We're 
you know, revitalizing American businesses with this fixed price fee. It's good for NASA. It's good for the industry. Shiny, shiny, shiny. You got to say that to get the money. And so I kind of wonder if this is just like a, a fixed price in kind of all but name, because when you compare it to clips, you have these one and done flights that are task orders. So intuitive machines, here's a hundred million dollars to take this lander to the surface and then we're done. Right. And so that's like a true fixed price service. Then, then intuitive machines could not win any other contracts after that, but there's only two providers here and it's a huge cost ceiling, three and a half billion dollars. It's like more than they gave SpaceX for the freaking lander. And, so there's no real limit to how many task orders you could give. You could just keep giving task orders to these companies right. in the same way you might with a cost plus contract, right? Oh, yeah, we need a little more. Give us another task order. Okay, here you go, right? And we're going to award you this milestone, this milestone. So I don't know. I kind of felt like this is sort of how can we do the suits in the same old cost plus way while making it feel fixed price so that Congress likes it and gives us money for it. And, and we, we don't have the flack anymore. Yeah, I guess that mine's like a, a version of that, right? Where it's like, we haven't yeah. talked to Congress yet. And so, but whenever we do, whatever they put in the budget, we're just going to do a task order for exactly as much as in the budget and say like... <laughs> and that too, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah like 2023 <laughs> suit work, you know, here it is. Like, bill it to, yeah. bill it to JSC. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so it's interesting. I'm really curious to see what the task orders look like and, um, you know, what, what the prices are for those as much as we will get to see them, but... It'll be interesting. Um, I, I'm not super like enthused by this quite yet. I think it has a lot yeah, more to prove. This is a weird be. one. Mm-hmm. This is the and concerning like, is thing, a- though. What if like, are we getting to the point where there's going to be one of these contract setups that's like using all the right language for the wrong service and then it totally takes the whole thing down? You yeah, know? yeah. That's a major concern. Because the, you know, dra- compared to Dragon and Starliner, there's at least like an inkling of a market for that, right? And SpaceX as well, able to use those funds for their rocket, which is definitely a market for, you know, that one, that's, that's the textbook example yeah. of how you yeah. want this to work out, Falcon 9. Um, but uh, who's going to, I mean, I think Axiom's the only super big winner out of this because they're going to develop yeah. suits anyway uh, for their suits. So now they can offer this extra service. They get NASA funding for it, like huge win for Axiom. Great, great strategic move for Axiom. Um, but like, I don't know, is Collins going to sell their spacesuit services to someone? I right, like I guess theoretically so. they could um, sell it to the Blue Origin people or whatever. I Yeah, they but could I put one on Reef. I also kind of feel like and... Blue is doing that weird little one-person spacecraft. Like they're doing like this version of scuba diving. Yeah, like, yeah. Like you're yeah. right on this little <laughs> crazy scooter thing. Like this is, this is like the Blue spacesuit model, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so do they want... I don't know, like, and it's even beyond the market, like, there were, there were, like, monetary figures you could look up to estimate launch costs and spacecraft production costs, but, like, yeah. when's the last time somebody made a spacesuit that also had an accountant nearby? Yeah. I don't, I don't know, how do you estimate... How do you figure yeah, out the, what the a only, spacesuit costs? The only, like, the only data we have is XEMU, and that yeah, was right. not going well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's interesting. Like, you know, and SpaceX is going to make their own, so like, they're not going to be a potential customer. No one else is going to the moon anytime soon. Yeah. So like, you're not going to use these. The lunar surface suits are they're going to be Artemis suits, whether you call it fixed price or cost plus or not. Um, and I don't know. I just It's interesting. I don't know what they... But but what's really curious though, so if they're if they're selling these lunar suits as part of Artemis, and SpaceX is not part of the program, are they going to like fly like a Colin spacesuit on the right. on the, the Artemis lander, yeah. you know, on the Starship, and then these SpaceX astronauts get out in a I don't know, I don't know, it's going to be interesting. But you open the closet I, I in the airlock, and it's like some really sleek looking suits and then the Collins one. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, sorry, you can't wear this wear one. This you don't one. have, <laughs> you don't have a license for this one. There's a free trial. You can try it on if you want. Um, but it's, uh, it's not available <laughs> unless you swipe your credit card on the, on the thing here. You're not going to be able to, 
<laughs> amazing. It's locked in a locker, like the little like phone chargers to go. Like, <laughs> need a spacesuit? <laughs> Total SpaceX move to it. <laughs> just like, yeah, we had a bunch of extra space on the Starship. You didn't buy the space, so we're flying. Yeah. We're just flying some suits to test them, and they're going to be in a nice glass display case so you can see them when you walk out. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, all you said was 100 kilograms of this space suit. So we put like yeah. Iron Man style, uh, like suit displays up in the airlock. <laughs> Oh man, that would be just brutal. So yeah, uh, yeah so actually, we're going to use their suit. But on. Only exception for payments. Yeah. <laughs> so good. We've cracked it. We've cracked it. There it is. Shift for payments. <laughs> God, that's good. Oh man. Okay. So yeah. So that's uh, you know that's that's that. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what Collins is going to do other than just collect task orders like a cost plus contract. Axiom hopefully will run with it, but yeah, I mean this is the same thing, right? That you, they picked a contractor that we clearly know what Axiom's plans are in the future. They have they're going to have a space station. They're going to do spacewalks. They're building this anyway, so this is the thing that SpaceX always gets on about. Like we're going mm-hmm. this direction. This is relevant enough to our mission. Come on board. You can defray the cost for us, and we'll build it. And it might be suboptimal because it's to your specs, but some of those are good specs anyway. Let's do it. Collins yeah. is like, we're here if you need us, you know? <laughs> yeah, they're the, they're the, they're the Starliner of this right. uh, arrangement. They're the so. Starliner, <laughs> they're the Antares, is what it is. They'll get their six, their six operational spacesuit services and then Axiom will sell the other 30 yeah. or whatever it's going to be. <laughs> the weird thing is, though, that like, so in the hypothetical future where SpaceX gets onboarded to this, like Jared Isaacman will have paid most of the cost of building a spacesuit, I guess. Um, so there's going to be like very little development needed. So, like SpaceX could uh, avoid interacting with this program until they need to, and then well, and, and this this is the other weird thing though, right? Because y- you have to imagine. So SpaceX is definitely building a suit for EVA. We know yeah. that they're probably going to build one for the moon because they got the lander. Yeah, yeah, they're working so, on that. So the question is, did they compete for this spacesuit award? And I, I think we know. I can't remember. But like probably, right? I think like, they were in the list. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. So why didn't they win? Because they probably had a really, really good price. Yeah, knowing that they're already getting a bunch of Jared Isaacman money and they're going to do it anyway. Right. They probably did the same thing they did with Starship, where they like really underbid it because they said we're going to put our own money in and you don't have to cover it, NASA. So if they like really won on price, why didn't they get an award here? And I know there's there's a whole discussion about you know let's get some new contractor blood in here. I and I'm all on board with that, but I'm still curious. That's not, like, a, that's not a governmentally defensible no, selection choice. Though. Government government yeah. procurement laws really has to take the price into right. effect. And so did they mm. bid too high? It doesn't have to take or? price into effect. It has to just follow the rules that they set out of the contracting. Right, right, right. And most set price as a major rule, but it doesn't have to be. That's a that's a hmm. slim delineation I want to make. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So maybe maybe if you put out a proposal, award. you say this is our this is our criteria that we will decide against. You don't have to include price in that list. Right. So if the selection criteria that was in the RFP for this did not eliminate price or or weighted price way down, theoretically right. they could have lost on I don't know, like it wasn't a good suit. Like I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe they have to ask the EVA <laughs> one or something. Like we don't care about EVAs yeah, don't and here's our EVA suit, you're tethered like Gemini and like Jared Isaacman will be. Hmm. That's that's an interesting thing that I, I someone's got a Well, that source selection know, document will be out that. in a month or something, right? It won't that's have, right. yeah, won't have right. money figures in it, but it will have their like Should rating thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, well that's what I, that's what I'm keeping we'll an eye on because something on doesn't one. something doesn't add up there to me. I don't yeah. know. It's like they should have bid and they probably bid low. So why didn't they win? And blah, 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 blah. Hmm. whatever. Well, Mysteries. at least we know what Polaris the fourth mission will be. <laughs> it's only three right now, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Space suits, um, man. Space suits. Yeah. Uh, you think they're going to onboard other suppliers later? You think that'll be a thing? I guess. Is there enough know. services to buy to fill well, out that many that's contractors? That's my whole thing. I, I think this is set up this way because they just haven't figured out which ones they need yet when. Hmm. Like, 
I don't know. I mean, it, the the telling thing about how this program's going is if you see these companies announce partnerships with the commercial Leo station companies that are not Axiom, you know, yeah. whether that's Nanoracks buying Axiom suits or buying Collins suits or whatever, or one of these getting onboarded as a partner on Orbital Reef, then you'll be like, okay, like the commercial thing made sense a little bit. And because NASA yeah. on the commercial Leo thing, and I think this is important to remember, they are not going to award a commercial Leo station and then also buy a bunch of stuff around it, like transportation and spacesuits and all that. They're buying end to end services from that station. Everything Here's that entails transportation, go cargo. Yeah. yeah. So, so th- it's up to those companies how they want to handle yeah. that. So, you know, Axiom in this case, they want to have spacesuits for the maintenance of their own station and for, you know, excursions that people are going to pay for to go out and do a spacewalk. So, right. NASA doesn't care if your space station requires spacewalks or not. Like, they probably prefer that it doesn't, so they don't have to go outside and do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, yeah, the whole, like, commercially blooming part of this fixed-price task order-based thing doesn't ring true to me here, but it does ring true that it's just, like, this is a way to delay putting actual requirements around specific missions until we figure that out. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, <laughs> yeah. we can go, you know, to Congress and ask for that amount of money right 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 well lots to unpack with that <laughs> we shall see <laughs> we shall see what oh, else man. happened we got ingenuity is all screwed up it is yeah it's suffering a little bit so um it's winter in the northern hemisphere on mars it's cold and uh, so the first thing that really happened was they they basically ran out of power because the at night the heaters turn on and it was colder and colder so they turned on sooner and sooner and sooner and then they just they ran out of energy and it went into safe mode and then it, the clock reset and there was this whole thing where it was like calling home at the wrong time but they recovered that and they turned the threshold down so they're just like the only real option on a tech demo like this is just let it suffer in Wait. the cold and see if it survives right like we don't know what the actual robustness of this hardware is in the cold mm. we had never tested it for that let's just you know instead of turning the heaters on at zero degrees to turn it on at minus 40 degrees is basically what they did right um and so it's being exposed to cold right now but uh it saves the energy so they're able to recover that it's a dusty season so there's even less energy to get so it's like kind of a rough thing um but then they were spinning it up the other day so they're trying to get ready for another thing and they're testing it now just to make sure that the cold is you know not hitting it and the inclinometer is broken on it so i guess there's like a like when it lands it has a like a two-way inclinometer to you know the so on the x-axis and the y-axis to tell what the tilt is right so is it like up like this like what's the landing position of the helicopter because that dictates what you do as soon as you take off because you got a level right Mm -hmm. so the inclinometer provides that starting point data this is your starting state and then when you lift off you need to correct it to this so they don't have that information anymore but they can use the IMUs, which are the things you use after you start flying, kind of in that you know initial phase and the landing phase to like see what your orientation is. It's apparently less accurate, but it works. So they are able to do that. And they already knew this was going to happen. Like it was like a hunch that the inclinometer would go after a while. And so they actually wrote all the software to switch it over, you know, basically just like a little piece of code that goes in between where the inclinometer passes the information to the flight computer is now just going to be intercepted by IMU data and they should be okay. That's the idea. So, But are they doing but, stuff yeah. while they wait for the cold or is it like they're down for a few months? Like what's the operational plan? I, I thought they were going to dump a bunch of data and they did one big flight like they uploaded because it's been like lagging behind the rover for a while. Like it's been um, trying to catch up because it had to go this whole crossing of this sandy area. So it's been like really uh, like on the far edge of the range envelope and the signal strength wasn't high enough to like really juice up the data. But now it's caught up and the rover's going slower because it's doing science again. It's not like booking it across the crater right now to get to the delta. So they uploaded like a whole big flight, but I think there are a couple flights behind. Like there's still just a bunch of data sitting on the hard drive on Ingenuity. Solid state drive, whatever it is, um, in the long term storage. Um, I don't think they have a hard drive on that. On that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the yeah so it, it's just hacked. Yeah, in. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta. Um, 
so I I thought they were going to do that, but I, I don't know. Maybe just power isn't that bad because that takes a bunch of data to to really you know to fire the transmitter off like that, or it takes a bunch of energy to do that. So hmm. we'll see. Yeah, but it's you know it's this is kind of what we expected. It's supposed to have lasted five flights. We're at twenty eight now. Twenty nine is coming up, um, and it's an off the shelf like it's basically like an Android phone with a propeller. So it's like <laughs> it's you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's not really designed to last this long and in this weather so uh, you know good for it huh. so we're it's it doesn't have enough power to fly over to insight and save it it it, it should be it. able to save save up the energy and do it like they're getting ready for it and to in a couple months insight and save insight oh not to insight no the first <laughs> <laughs> not to insight no 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 no, no. no. insights uh insights the time has come yeah. <laughs> Are there any good conspiracy theories about how Insight's going to die and yet they detected the largest Mars quake ever? Makes you think. It does make you think. Yeah. But no, I think no. it's just luck. <laughs> Some good luck for this mission, finally. <laughs> yeah, I needed it. <laughs> it had to balance out after it the land it. Insight selection and the, yeah, the yeah. dirt and the Ooh. dust devils. But... Surviving this long was not a level one priority. Um, Actually, Jake, this time we've got a rip roaring episode next week. Mm-hmm. How much reading have you done? I have a lot more reading to do. And okay, you yeah, do. All right, I, not a lot, but I have a solid okay. amount of reading to do. Like you know, okay. twenty minutes a night gets me there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So at last show with Lauren Lyons, we talked about how Lauren has been on our list forever. Yeah. Uh, this next guest has been on our list for maybe longer. I'm pretty sure she was on like the original, like, hey, we should start this show called Off Nominal. Who would we have on it? And then we made like a short list of like five or six names, and I'm pretty sure she was on it. Uh, yeah, uh, so. And uh, I, there's no guesses in the chat yet, and I'm surprised by that. <laughs> but this is uh, tied to a book release that's coming out in like two weeks. Yeah. Lori Garver is going to be on here, and boy, when you read the first chapter of her book, is she not holding back anything no, no, about her time no. <laughs> at NASA elsewhere in the space policy sphere? <laughs> it is an epic takedown of all of her haters. It is going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I'm like a third of the way through, and like the it doesn't stop. So <laughs> it's um, unreal. There was there was like, and I'm just getting to the point where she's like getting into the NASA administrator, a deputy administrator mm-hmm. role, and it's like. Whew. Yeah, right. it okay, doesn't get less go. spicy as you go. They, early <laughs> so. on in the book, there was so much of um, like these weird little moments of of how DC actually works, where mm-hmm. she's like talking to two parties of an agreement, and it, no one has agreed to anything, but she's telling both that they did, so that they yeah. will both agree <laughs> to a thing. And it's just like this epic puppet mastering that she's doing. It's just incredible. Yeah. Tyler's asking if the book's out now. It is not out now. Uh, it is so she's coming on next Thursday. It'll be out the following week. Uh, yeah, it'll be so out like, like a the few days Tuesday before, the following yeah. week. Yeah. Um, so the book is called Escaping Gravity. Is that correct? If it didn't change, Escaping our Gravity. <laughs> no, <laughs> making sure of that. I'm pumped. This is going to be amazing. I, I'm excited. It's going to be it's going to be a heck of a heck of a show. I think it's going to be really good. So yeah, pretty stoked. Be there next week. Uh, what mm-hmm. else do we need to talk about? Memberships. Memberships. If you like the show, everybody, please help support us by uh, joining uh, iPhone or iOS or mobile up here, desktop down here, down this way. Uh, five bucks a month gets you on the off nominal Discord, which is the coolest place to hang out. Um, we had an interesting discussion today uh, related to the mobile launcher. That was the other news that we, we could have covered too. But the mobile launcher 2 for SLS, which I had another scathing OIG yeah. report come should out today. Should have been a task or, order based fixed price contract. Should have been a task <laughs> order based uh, mobile launcher contract because uh, it's like it's like a bajillion dollars over budget and 10 years behind schedule. And uh, we're not even we're not even anywhere close to it launching. So uh, we had a, a good, um, you know, a good, good discussion about that today about what uh what could go wrong with it so it's uh it's been pretty fun so if you want to hang out with us and talk about these things uh, as they happen uh you should pop into the membership because it's uh it's a lot of fun and it helps us uh you know pay for this because it's our job it is we need salaries we got we got beers to buy we got beers to so, buy and yeah. shit posts to do like this one on twitter earlier that Jake did. <laughs> nasa going into the uap yeah. domain 
which is the worst. Wasn't that weird today? Like, the, the like it was a press conference. They announced a press conference like an hour before it happened. They're like, uh, rush us out, rush us out. We're going to talk about aliens. Go, 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 go. Yeah, this time it is about aliens. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's how that goes. So uh, yeah. And then you put it on an episode today uh, if you want more Starliner talk, right, Miko? It was Starliner. It was, uh, yeah. I mean, you probably got most of it, to be honest, but there's maybe a little more detail around some of the stuff that we talked about. And, uh, you know, it's uh, 30 cool. minutes of, you know, talking about Commercial Crew, which I don't often talk about Commercial Crew at these days, you know, because it's just been doing its thing. So yeah, yeah. it felt like a good time to dive into it. Cool. What you got? Um, ne- next week, I'll have an episode... Uh, in we martians it's semi-related so we're going to talk about the lunar program at nasa the lunar science program and how it's like kind of tangled up with artemis and human spaceflight and technology development you know eclipse is not in the planetary science division and what's the decadal saying about that and, and how do we do good science and how do we there's a lot of questions i have about the weird you know it's very different from the mars program so i have um uh, a good guest coming on to talk about that and and you know unpack it we'll see if we can figure some stuff out sounds legit yeah. you're gonna ask sounds about the good. moon suits or what <laughs> we'll see i wonder how much uh how much of the science uh, objectives are making it into those requirements yeah, probably not it. very many <laughs> not yet anyway maybe the task orders gotta, once they get around gotta to have pockets gotta have pockets that's about the only thing that's gonna be in there that'd but, be amazing yeah yeah <laughs> hopefully it has a tool belt tool belt pockets and a selfie cam that's about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Most important part. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, all right. All right. See you later, all. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. One, two, three, four, five, five, four, three, two, one. End of test.